0: Welcome to This Week in Tech with Jean Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Jean Destro. This week, a conversation with Joshua Gans, professor of strategic management at the University of Toronto, who recently co-authored a new book called Power and Prediction, The Disruptive Economics of Artificial Intelligence.
1: The premise of the book is that we've seen great and continued strides in advances of artificial intelligence, those technical advances. But at the same time, we have actually seen far less adoption By businesses than we would have expected. Why is there a discord? Is it surprising? And how should businesses think about it?
0: And the reason for the disconnect is what? Do you think that people don't trust or understand it, or they can't necessarily figure out how it would help them, or kind of a combination of all of that?
1: I think it's not for want of trying. I think when artificial intelligence became a thing about four years ago, Many businesses said, oh, I wonder what opportunities we have to apply this thing. And they found opportunities. But the issue is, were they transformative? And there's a sense in which we shouldn't have expected them to be. Because transformation is more than just adopting a technology. It's about recalibrating and redesigning your business around it and past technologies that have the same potential as we think AI did, such as say electricity or the adoption of information technology. It took decades from the initial excited uses of those things before we saw real organizational change taking advantage of those technologies. And we kind of think the same things occurring with artificial intelligence. All of the initial applications of artificial intelligence are places where You have a a decision and artificial intelligence being about making that decision more efficient by providing you with clear predictions of the environment you're facing. And you used to make those decisions before, and you used to have to do something to predict without the help of all of these recent advances in artificial intelligence. So when the new thing came along, you just swapped it in. We call that a point solution. And so there's many examples of which artificial intelligence has been used to enhance a small part or a task, an area of an organization. The issue is, you know, that's only going to get you so much in in terms of productivity improvements. And the question is, does artificial intelligence have a chance to do more? One of the examples that we talked about was the ability to predict whether a consumer such as you and I were going to buy a product. You know, some of those things are within our reach. Surely if we allowed it, and I'm not saying we don't necessarily want to allow it, but if we allowed it, I'm pretty sure that Amazon could very accurately predict when we need new toilet paper or new paper towels. And it would know pretty much when we would want to order those over the course of the year. Given that, it could make sure that it had stock available and given that it could it doesn't even have to wait for us to decide to order the paper towels or or toilet paper it could just deliver it to our door and say hey if you don't need this just leave it here and we'll take it back <laughs> and it would save us the whole commotion of you know having to go to the app and order these things and think about when they'll arrive and that whole pressure and you could imagine that that could be for a lot of products as well so why haven't we done that Why haven't we done that? It's obviously predictable. Well, I think because it's harder than it looks. I think, yes, you can predict some products with reasonable degrees of accuracy, but is it really worthwhile for Amazon to set up a, oh, they're going to drop stuff off at your door and you're going to take it. And and if you don't want it, they're going to come and pick it up. I don't think it is yet. But we can imagine that maybe in 10 years time, the ability to predict that will be so good that Amazon you know might find it worthwhile might find it worthwhile to change how they get products to you and the process of it away from what they currently do now in other words we'd move from a situation where we shopped and then the thing was shipped to us to a situation where Amazon shipped in advance and then we shopped it's possible it's possible it's not unprecedented in history <laughs> it's it's possible so
0: i was thinking that a good use for this, let's say along those lines was, let's say I was a toy maker and I had a particular toy, but I also knew that my competition had something similar or could come up with something similar. However, if I had the ability to use artificial intelligence that could Kind of go through records of everything that's going on around the world, things that I couldn't necessarily see, influences that may be coming on social media, channels that I don't monitor, things like that. That maybe something like that would be a good way to use it to predict, you know, consumer sentiment and whether or not a product would be good to launch or not. What do you think?
1: Well, I think, you know, that's where we get this interesting juxtaposition. There's a lot of discussion about what AI can do. And we tend to imagine it doing something that's like a gold standard in prediction. Oh, if I need to give you a thought experiment, I'll do exactly what you just said. So what if we could pick the next big thing in toys using AI? And it is possible, you know, conceivable. But we run into a few things. One thing we run into is, of course, AI has to actually obey some laws, has to obey the laws of statistics. So there's only so much you can infer from data around the world, to give you an accurate prediction. In some environments where things are pretty stable, such as looking at an image uh, X-ray and determining if something is a tumor or not, or is malignant or not, you know, that's something that's fairly stable. Our physiology hasn't changed that much. The technology hasn't changed that much. So you can imagine an AI that can do that. With regard to things such as, essentially what you're saying, fashion, you know, that's a tantalizing prospect, because one thing is true is those industries face enormous pressures to try and pick the next best thing. And they end up in all sorts of trouble with all sorts of stock on hand, uh, not being able to do it. But the problem is, is that possible? Now, if I thought that the toy industry could use AI and move everything to a year in advance and then produce as if that was going to be the thing and advertise as if that was going to thing, or, or basically, actually, let me, let me go even further. Could the toy industry actually be Santa Claus? And what comes on Christmas morning is what they've predicted you'd want. No one's had to buy it. And it's literally Santa Claus doing it. This is the first time this thought has occurred to me, but your, your example is that you're basically saying is could AI actually give us Santa Claus and the problem there is it's conceivable. It's clear what you'd have to do. You'd have to have a whole set of organizations for logistics around delivering these things at Christmas. Not that we're far off that already, but you'd have to have that. But you'd have to be sure it works out because, by golly, you make a mistake and deliver the wrong stuff. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. So, I mean, uh, I think the point is that. You know, the stakes are maybe a little too high to envisage that change just yet. But we can imagine in other situations, and we talk about healthcare in the book, where some of the AI predictions can really improve things a lot. But in order to really take advantage of them, you have to change what you are doing. For instance, suppose that we were able to use AI prediction to predict whether somebody coming out of surgery was likely to have complications or not what are we comparing that to? What we currently do is we keep them in the hospital for two or three days under observation to see if something bad happens. Okay. And if something bad happens, we then treat it. But if we had a better prediction about who is likely to have something bad happened and others not, we don't have to leave people waiting around in hospital. We can send them home. Perhaps we would have some alternative ways of them getting priority and in touch if there was an issue or some monitoring device. But you can see already all the little things that have to start to change in order to make that decision. And we haven't even got to the big ones like liability laws and things like that. So taking advantage of an AI prediction, it's easy to sort of do it in an isolated way, but that only gives you isolated advantages the true advantages will come from sort of systems built around that potential. And what we're going to see, which we expect to see, is a lot better AI, which will trigger that potential, but then this process of change. And the question is, will that be existing businesses who do that or new entrants?
0: I see. So here's a question that's been rolling around in my head for like a couple of years now, and I've, I've been dying to ask somebody who knows what you know, the answer to this question. And this is, As we've seen in politics all around the world, there's been this radical shift to the right, a lot of kind of authoritarian figures popping up and kind of bizarre conspiracy theories happening. And to me, like you can start connecting the dots from here to here to here to here, but that's only anecdotal in my head. So I was wondering if there was an AI that you set to work on this issue, where did this all come from? and where is it likely to go? I mean, of course, all the political parties are talking about where it's likely to go. But if I actually had a highly trained AI that could really scope through millions and millions of records from all around the world that I can't see, would that be able to track down where this all came
1: from and where it might be going? What do you think? So let me do two things. First one is to Disappoint you a little. okay um and and say that you know one of the things our role is in talking about artificial intelligence and what it can really do and not do is what I call desexification. <laughs> we take this thing that's interesting, has pop culture and and conjures up interesting stuff and and powerful things in in the mind, and we reduce it to its fundamental elements, which is really it's an advance in statistics, but that's it. What you're talking about is a key problem in politics, which is, of course, trying to understand the mood of the population and to predict how they will react if you present them with a candidate or a a particular platform. Now, that problem has been worked on for, for some time because we are collecting enormous amounts of valuable data in that regard. And we can do a lot with that data using standard statistical techniques, and we'll be able to do a lot more with that data using the newer techniques that are coming out of AI. So I think, you know, this is already happening, that there will be a lot of use of artificial intelligence or use of big data, which big data is a little less suggestive and also more accurate, to actually come up with those highly targeted platforms and policies that may end up having effects on how politics is run thereafter. Again, it still has to adhere to the laws of statistics. you know the half-life on people's public sentiment is probably quite low, but it might be within an election cycle, but beyond that might be quite difficult.
0: I guess where I'm coming from is is more wondering instead of obviously the political parties and you know for elections, you want to try to predict what's going to happen. What I was wondering is if you could use AI to comb over what already has happened, And to use it kind of like this, you know, deep diving forensic analysis, like why did it happen and where did it all start? Like a like a giant detective in the sky.
1: Right. I think I think that is already happening to some degree because we have the data on past changes and other things like that that we can infer from. Does some of that involve the use of machine learning and AI? Yes, it can. Yes, it can do that. All of the, you know, scraping through sentiment analysis and understanding what text is. You know, we know what something says. If you ask me, what is it this tweet t- telling us? I can tell you. The issue you're talking about is we don't have time for the researcher to spend time doing that or any human for that matter. We need to automate it. Well, AI can automate that task. And by automating that task and maybe even going further into videos, people's choice in music of music playlists, all sorts of things you can imagine being an input, can take and contextualize that data. And that data then can be made of use to do the exploration that you're talking about.
0: Could that be used, say, for like crime analysis and stuff too?
1: It already is used for that. Even before AI, they worked out that statistics could help you in making a bail decision, you grant someone bail or you keep them inside, in order to work out if they're going to commit a crime in the meantime <laughs> uh, or run away. Because some of those things are due to the nature of the crime, matched with the natures of the circumstance of the person, etc. Now, of course, that gives rise to a whole lot of issues regarding bias and, and that, although we've discovered quite often when you don't use Statistical techniques or AI, you get more biased than when you do. (laughs) The one reason is because we can actually tell the AI not to be biased, or at least push them in that direction. It's harder with people. So but we do use that for that. And we do use that for predictions of crime and other things like that. People are using that. Is it going to be used in a helpful manner? You know, you rock up to a local police department and say, you know, we think this season is going to have a greater number of robberies of cars, <laughs> car theft. What's the police department supposed to do with that at the moment? What are they going to do with that information? Say, That's very interesting. We'll we'll see if that happens. <laughs> you know, what do you want them to do? Uh, do you want everybody to send out a warning saying be more careful of your cars? Or and and what magnitude of an increase are we talking about? So. You can see already the difficulty of taking a better prediction about things in an environment where people didn't have any prediction at all. In order to make use of that prediction, they have to change everything that they're doing. Now, they might do it if that prediction goes from zero to one in terms of accuracy. But if it's a sort of incremental improvement, which is what often happens when we're talking about human behavior prediction, Ah, Maybe it's not worthwhile. So those are the difficult things. And that is where we think people have challenges and it's going to take a while for AI to find its place.
0: Another use scenario that I read about recently was when they were using AI to like, let's say, comb through all the resumes that people get for jobs. And they were trying to find like the best candidate for X, Y, Z job. Then they had given the artificial intelligence like all this data of like the last 15 or 20 years of successful job candidates. Well, they saw that 99% of the job candidates happened to be men. And so then their prediction was or their recommendations for hiring, it was like all men, because that's the only thing they had to choose from, as opposed to recognizing that, you know, your goal is to increase your diversity But if it's only looking at the past, it can't really predict accurately what the future might need.
1: You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is why it is very important that if you're using one of these tools, and this goes for any statistics, not just AI, to inform a decision, you're very conscious of where the data that you've generated comes from. Your example here, yes, the best a statistical technique could do in that situation is predict which men <laughs> would be the ones you should look at. You haven't had the data on which women. And if you are not careful of understanding that, of course the AI, it's gonna find best as it is, may well look at those characteristics. And so that that has occurred again and again. Um, all of the it talks about AIs being racist, etc., are all issues of not training on the right set of people. And this is a bigger challenge even in things like health. So in, in things like health, where you want to have an intervention, you want to say, I'm going to do this treatment, what's the effect going to be? Okay, AI could potentially tell you that. But here's one problem. Our health data sets are full mostly of unhealthy people. Healthy people don't turn up in the data sets. So once again, you're sort of having some problems there. This is another one of the things that I think is also affecting businesses. Businesses were collecting a lot of data and then AI came along and people said, oh, AI loves data. And businesses say, we got data. We must be in a good position. The problem is, of course, AI loves data that was fit for purpose. And since there wasn't AI before, 2017 or whatever, uh, for business knowledge, the data was not created fit for purpose. And we've only just started the process of making sure that is the case again. And that takes time. If you want a a data that's going to tell you whether you've hired the right people, you can't accelerate that into a two-month thing. You've got to instead think about a multi-year process before you start getting returns on that. There are some situations, though, where AI is training on itself, where you have simulated environments that are giving you some use case, but they invariably don't involve people.
0: Okay. So if you had to sum up then, what is the intended target audience of this book? Who could find it most useful? The
1: book is targeted at people in organizations who are contemplating adopting AI, Also ones who have adopted AI and perhaps have seen, okay, it hasn't had the widespread effect that might be. We basically point out that artificial intelligence has some great point solutions, but if the arc of history is any judge, and there's good reason to think it would be, the real transformational or system-wide changes are still into the future. That doesn't mean you can't start thinking about it now. And we go through some thought exercises and approaches to do that. We just have to recognize it's going to take some time.
0: Okay, excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time with me today. That's been really, really interesting.
1: Uh, thank you so much. And thank you also for the Santa Claus thing. I think I'm going to work that into a whole <laughs> example. Uh, i I never occurred to me that Santa Claus was doing this thing, but I thank you for that. <laughs>
0: well, you came up with Santa Claus. I just came up with the toys, So, <laughs> okay. you know, you made the thought connection there, but that's great. It's a fun use theory, like you know, obviously everybody who makes anything would be thrilled if they thought they could just plug it into this engine and it would spit out the next Buzz Lightyear or whatever, really like you know? It.
1: Exactly. exactly.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Have a great All right.
1: day. Thanks. Uh-huh.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. That was University of Toronto strategic management professor Joshua Gans, who recently co-authored the new book, Power and Prediction, The Disruptive Economics of Artificial Intelligence. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.